my dearest, dearest friend, Melinda Kapoor, who is an author, a writer, a poet, a beautiful spiritual being, and also a phone photographer. Hi, Melinda! Laura. Welcome to the Boss Ladies Mindset Channel, powered by Crown for Success, the largest women's empowerment network for soulful CEOs on social media. We are a coaching business that mentors and motivates women to reach their highest potential in business and mindset mastery. Each one of our episodes will share valuable tips, resources, interviews, and empowering information that will help boss ladies design a life and business they're crazy as fuck about. Hello, 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 and welcome, everybody. I am Rena Elfelaki, your be free, be fun, and be fearless expert. Now, I have tried with technology and failed. So if anyone wants to come along and help me at some point, then please do. I wanted to try and stream this direct to Facebook, but it wasn't happening. So I determined with my amazing guest today that maybe that's just what the universe wants for us. So you may be watching this delayed. You may be watching it on YouTube. You may be watching it on Instagram TV. You may be reading about it uh, in one of my articles on uh, Your Tango, A Beautiful Life, Thrive Global, or of course on my website blog, Light Changes Coaching. Whatever it is, you are in for an amazing treat. So I am joined by this most phenomenal soul person in her earth suit, and we'll talk about that in a minute and what that means. My dearest, dearest friend, Melinda Kapoor, who is an author, a writer, a poet, a beautiful spiritual being, and also a phone photographer. Hi, Melinda! Laura, thank you so much for having me. So, we are talking to each other from the UK and in Milan, in Italy, but of course with an American accent. Yes. So, uh, you have so much to inspire people with and so many stories. Whenever we get talking, uh, you inspire me, which is why I wanted you to have the opportunity to share some of that messaging uh, through my channels to inspire others, which is what you do. Well, wait, you know, my, where, it's like my phone, I don't even see it, and it's making all these noises, it's so annoying. <laughs> anyway, no, it's, it's a pleasure to be here with you, though, though I must admit, talking to a person one-on-one -on -one is a lot different than talking and being filmed online, but it is um, a pleasure to be here with you. I'm honored that you asked me to speak. And I hope that in some way I can inspire or, you know, just sharing a story which sometimes makes people think that, hey, I could do that, or hey, you know, why not? Or hey, there are, are other options. So, yes, here I am. So let's, and actually, yeah, this is one of the bits about being fearless, because when I asked you, you were like, I can't, I'm, I'm petrified, and yet you overcome your fears, because you know you'll be in safe hands, and you know there's always a message to tell, which is wonderful. Well, it's so, so easy to be with you anytime. Thank you. So let me ask you, let's start with, with Italy, because you've shared with me this story, which I find incredibly inspiring and the potential messages that are behind it about how you, an American from Northern California, ended up living in Italy. And obviously you've been there for a very long time now, but mm -hmm. the story is beautiful. I'd love you to share it. It's, yes, it's from, from the 80s. I've been here that long. Um, it started when, well, you know, like all stories, it just kind of, it goes back so many steps and I don't, I want to be brief, but before my dad passed away, he, then my paternal grandparents came from Erzegovina, which is, was very close to Dubrovnik. So about a half an hour inland and an hour inland from Dubrovnik, that's where they were from. And he had gone and he wanted to take me. And I, at the time, I was young, I was in college, you know, I didn't want to go, you know, there was a guy I liked, I was working. I mean, the reasons now are so unimportant. And if I could go back, I, I would have definitely gone with my dad on that trip. But unfortunately, he passed away before we could ever go together. And after he passed, my, my aunt um, asked me if I wanted to go to Dubrovnik with her and her, um, her daughter and her grandson, my cousins. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Well, they went to Rome first. And, and I um, decided, you know, I would meet them in Rome. And then from there, I went on to London. And this was my first trip to Europe. 
So I was very excited living in San Francisco and on, on my own. And I want to add this part because uh, my life is all blended in, not just with the world, the spiritual is blended in with my life. And so much happened after my father passed, you know, the, the signs and the, the messages. So before I went on this trip to meet my aunt and my cousins in, in uh, Fiumicino in the airport, I had this very, very vivid dream about my father. And he told me in detail about the other side and how beautiful it is. But I couldn't, you know, when I woke, I didn't remember that aspect of it. But I do remember that he said very vividly, he told me about four Persian carpets. And I thought, what's he talking about, four Persian carpets? I mean, it had no sense to me. I was just, but I let it go, of course. And when I got to the airport in Rome, I told my aunt and my cousins, and we all thought, what a strange dream. So here we go into Dubrovnik and we get a rent a car and we drive in the mountains of Erzegovina and I meet these cousins that I didn't even know existed. And one of them worked in a rug factory and it was a wholesale factory. And he was able to get us into the factory. And between three of us, we bought four Persian carpets. And it wasn't until that night, you know, in the hotel because we had packed them up and we went to the post office and it was an all day thing that we did. But that night in the hotel, we all went, oh my gosh, the dream, because my father was very specific about four Persian carpets. And one of them is, the one I have is in the entryway of my apartment. So every time I come in, I see my carpet and it's always a reminder to me of, of the existence of consciousness after, after we leave what I call our earth suit. Um, so anyway, getting back to Italy, this is how I am. I'm kind of like a tree that goes on different tangents or different branches. Getting back, how do I got, I got to Italy? After I came, I went to Dubrovnik for the first time, I knew I had to get back. And I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I had to get back. So when I went back to San Francisco, and I looked in the phone book, in the yellow pages at that time, because it was, there was no internet to use. And I looked under Yugoslavia, and I found a Yugoslav travel agency. Not having any experience in the business, I walked in and asked for a job and he hired me. And I became the manager of the agency in a short time. And, and within months, I was back in Dubrovnik with some tourists. And after that, I wanted a trip to go to Dubrovnik again. So I, I went and I took my younger brother, and who is since deceased, a year later he passed away. So I'm so happy that we had that time together. And, and on that trip, of course, I had met somebody in Dubrovnik and, you know, and he asked me to meet him in Paris. And at the time I said, no, I can't. There's no way I can meet you in Paris. And then I started thinking, why not? You know, life is too short. So from the first time I went to Yugoslavia or Dubrovnik, um, now in Croatia, and to the time that I moved to Italy, it's only like 18 months. Within 18 months, I went back to Europe. It's a long way from California, especially in the 80s. I was back in Europe four times within 18 months. And it really just happened. It's kind of like when things are right, they fall into place. I don't know how. So I was asked to meet this person in, in Paris. I knew there was no future there. Um, but I kind of felt it was a, a way, to, I wanted to live in Europe and I felt that it would be a way, a, like an, a way to ease into living in Europe. I didn't know where I was going to live. Um, I just decided to go. I, I didn't think I'd be staying in Paris. And I decided um, I couldn't live in Yugoslavia at the time. I was an American and it just wasn't, I mean, I'm still an American, but it wasn't possible to live there. And I thought, well, where would I like to live? And to me, I thought, well, Italy sounds like a good place. So while I was in Paris, I actually, and I've been thinking about Italy, but one morning, and this has happened to me in my life more than once, um, I had, you know, that phase when you're waking up, you're kind of in a dream state and half awake and half asleep. Sometimes I get messages and I just heard a voice that said, go to Rome. And I, I woke up and I said, yeah, I'll do that. I'll go to Rome. And so I moved to Rome and that in itself opened up all these adventures for me. I didn't speak the language. I knew no one there. Um, I didn't know anything. I didn't have a place to stay. I just had my suit, one suitcase and I ended up going to Rome from Paris stopping en route in Zurich and for to see a friend from college. And then, I mean, it, there's just so many things that happened. Um, but that's how I ended up in Italy. And I lived in Rome for almost four years before I moved to Milan and work took me to Milan. And I met my husband the first month. 
So it's a really inspiring story of just taking a massive leap of faith, following your gut, following your guidance, not having any rational reason for why yeah, it wasn't very practical happen in your life. You just went for it, which is something that I think, well, I know people are so often envious of because we can have so much in our hearts that we desire and yet we start to rationalize and we start to think and we overthink things and it so often gets in our way of where we're actually being guided to go. You know, this aspect of conscious manifestation, our ability to create our life, but it's about following, following guidance, whatever that happens to be. You, for you, like you're such a deeply spiritual person, so you, you hear it, you feel it, you sense it. For other people, they're not in touch with their spiritual side, but, but they talk about it just being their gut instinct. So, I mean, that, that story is just so incredibly inspiring to just go for it. And what, what would you say about that? Well, before I, I really went for it, I needed to sell my car. I needed money to go. So I went, had gone back to California, you know, and started to put things in order. And I knew I had to sell my car and I had a very short time period to sell it. I had two weeks. I put my car, you know, in, in the newspaper and, and I said, I am going to sell my car by October 31st, October 30th. I don't remember quite. Anyway, I decided I was going to sell my car by that date. One person answered the ad. She came, she looked at the car, put a deposit down, and the next day, the day that I had said I would sell it, I got all the cash in hand. And so I, I basically left. I left right away. Um, yeah, it, it, it's quite, quite a story when I think about it. You know, the thing is, uh, some people say that I'm courageous, but I don't think of it as courage. Everyone has a different, everyone's courageous in one way or another. You know, I, I would not downhill ski at all. There's no way that I would do that because I'm, I'm terribly frightened of that, of the speed, you know, and the sliding and not having control. But to move to a new place, I'm very curious about other people and how they live. You know, for me, that wasn't being so courageous as much as a desire to to expand my world expand my life and you know and to see things differently so I've, I've always wanted to to see more than that I grew up with I mean I, I grew up in a, in a wonderful area in central California a great small community um, but I you know, it was flat. <laughs> it was flat, and and I would used to sit in in the apricot tree, and I would look over the flat fields of California, and I would think about faraway places. And my mom really instilled that in me. My mother is from New England, and she really enriched my life early on with books. And so I was always imagining being some somewhere else. I guess uh, some of it has to do with the type of person one is. You know, I was like. Um, a dreamy creative kid I was the kind of kid who was in in her imagination and, and in another world that way and so I, I guess I wanted to make it reality because when it gets down to it you know I, I didn't want when I thought should I move to Europe or shouldn't I, I thought I don't want to read about somebody else's life what they did I want to just do it and it wasn't practical I mean if, if I had to do it over I would look for jobs before I went and I want to say this to anyone who's listening, anyone who's, uh, who's young, you know, or not even so young, but even the international teaching careers all around the world, there are, there are international schools who are looking for teachers, mother tongue English teachers, and, and not mother tongue English teachers, you know, but that's an opportunity to travel. I, I didn't even know that world existed until years later when I happened to work in an international school, but but that is an option. There's always a way to make your dreams happen. So I'm hearing yeah. a, couple of, a couple of things here that because so you've, you've raised some wonderful points that I'd love to be able to pick up on. And, and maybe if I suggest them, then you can choose which, which direction to go in. So one is the idea that, you know, A, you're an adventurer anyway. So you knew there was more to life. You wanted to have an adventure and you were a dreamer, which means your thoughts were always thinking of other things, which when we think about conscious manifestation, actually your mind was always focused on those things. And then you were, you opened up to the, to be guided, to take that direction. So, but the other thing I'm hearing is, is also about um, having you're taking the opportunities that are given to you. And, and what I, I think what I would really like to ask you is anyone who's listening may think, oh, well, that's all very well. You know, you were really young. So, 
when we're young, we tend to be very adventurous anyway. And yet, what would you say to someone who's in their 40s, for example, who, who is being crippled by fear of following their dreams, especially now during this time of coronavirus, when, when a lot of people's dreams are being crushed or, or they're so desperate for a change but are too fearful? Well, I don't think it's ever too late. And I'm in my 60s now, you know, so I don't think it's ever too late. Uh, I think it's always, and you know, even to admit that online is like something you don't even see. They say, don't admit your age, but you know, anyone can look me up and you can find it online. So I really, you know, it's it's all right. But but the thing is, it's never too late. And and I, I found, I mean, I'm constantly challenging myself. To talk to you online to be recorded is a challenge for me. I'm not that comfortable with it. But being it's you and I'm looking at you, I feel like I'm having a conversation with you. And the fact that it's going to be online afterwards is something I didn't want to think about. But I, I really do. I mean, my, my world just started opening up so much when I investigated online. And this was back in about, it was about 2008 when the other crisis happened, you know, and I just started looking online for, for things, for just to open up my world. The world is there. Even if you're stuck at home with COVID, you've got the world at your fingertips. There are so many online courses you can take. There are so many things you can do online to enrich yourself and join groups. That's how I started, you know, I I've always wanted to write and I, I've written for myself you know, since I was a kid, really, but I never had had the nerve or the courage to put my voice out there until I met met online was Christine Closure, and she uh, introduced me, you know, to to writing, and I went to her seminar, and I mean, one thing led to another. It was there were baby steps, and that was her one of her books was the first one I was published in, so that kind of started it, and now I I can't even think offhand how many times I've been published, which is pretty amazing for somebody who only a few years ago, maybe six years ago, seven years ago, was even afraid to, to get out there at all. Um, even in, in group work, I, I was terrified of standing up in front of a group of like 30 people. I mean, I was terrified. And, and working on that, I discovered really what the blocks were. Um, we all have blocks, but I think if we just, um, cut ourselves a little bit of slack, you know, that we can be so hard on ourselves. And if we just, just kind of just be, you know, instead of always worrying about, for me, a lot of it was worrying about what people would think, okay. what people think. You know, I, I grew up in a small town. And so you was always, you know, you don't, what will people think? And so, and then later as an adult, I think that kind of stuck, you know, those things that happen as a child. Essentially a very limiting aspect in people's lives, isn't it? We, one of the biggest fears is, is, is being afraid to be our true selves, being afraid to show ourselves to the world. And it even starts with being afraid to do the work on ourselves to actually know who we truly are in the first place and then shine that out to the world, right? Yeah. So, and and I know I know my own experience where I am a very spiritual being, but you know, but also being a very very professional woman, working in in the circles of of lecturing worldwide in medicine, running my own running my own clinic, doing clinical research, all, all to do with sort of dentistry and periodontology. You know, you you can't go and tell people you're 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 hugely spiritual and even to my family they wouldn't have approved they would think i was crazy and now i'm quite happy to show everybody my my crazy mad side because they realize i'm not really crazy i'm just i'm just fun and i'm free so you also had an interesting upbringing and we were having this conversation earlier when i said to you do you mind me telling people how spiritual you are and you were like no no this is me so so tell us about that because it, there's an important lesson in that to help people be confident enough to show themselves. Well, my um, my son always says, "Mom, you always talk about spiritual stuff," and I said, "No, I don't." And he goes, "Yes, you do. If there's a little window, you jump right in." Um, I I I think I believe that we are spiritual beings having an earthly experience. That's how I see it. And and one thing was losing people very dear to me. It taught me really convinced me that consciousness of the human spirit exists after death. When they talk about eternal life, 
well, if, if there is eternal life after death, there must have been eternal life before birth because it's eternal. So I, I feel, and, and this is against what a lot of people believe in, and it doesn't matter I mean, to each his own, you know, and, and you find what you're comfortable with. But I believe that in order to have this earthly experience, we put on, we, our essence, puts on an earth suit, what I call the earth suit. This time, my earth suit is like this. Other times it's been different. Yours is like yours now, but next time it might look different. It doesn't matter. Um, and then when I'm done with this earth suit, when I discard it, I will go home. Because to me, home is what you would call the, the other side or the great divine or whatever you prefer to call it. I mean, heaven, that's to me what home is. And um, I just feel that we are here existing because we were able to live on the plane on the earthly plane because we have our earth suit on otherwise we wouldn't be able to have the senses of smell and taste we need this just like if you're in outer space you have to protect yourself in order to to, to feel what's going on in, in an environment that's not natural um, but there's another analogy that you could use is that of a car or a vehicle I know John Lennon used that. I can't remember his quote exactly, but it was something he said he wasn't afraid of death because when he gets out of one car, he just will get into another. So you can think of your body as a machine that you're, you're operating or driving this time and eventually you'll let it go and you'll move on into, into the spiritual reality. Actually, the book that you and I are in together, Being Love, it's the first time I've written about spiritual experiences because before I was hesitant and there was something about, to, to repeat myself about when my father and brother died, the signs I got that um, I became perhaps more intuitive because I was very aware, like, like the dream with the four Persian carpets, you know, but other things would happen and I would see things and and experience things. And so I started, I wanted to share that for a long time, but I guess I didn't have the courage to put it out there. But, but now a lot of people are writing about these experiences, many people. But you can write about them so much from first hand and that, that book is coming out in September, 21st of September, I believe. Yes, yes it is. Conscious shift to birthing the future. Um, now, yeah, when you were talking about those quotes, I was thinking about something I was reading today, which is very poignant about how we have to remember that we are spiritual beings having a physical experience. We're not physical beings trying to have spiritual experiences. Right. And it's subtle, but, but there is the switch. And I know when I think about that, or when I feel that, it gives me a sense of freedom. It takes away the fears. What do you think about that? Well, I, I'm, I don't have fear. Are you talking about fear of transitioning? That so many other people have. I know there's, I was fearful for many years when I was younger, you know, and I think one of the advantages of getting older is that you can kind of, you become wiser in a sense, if you can let those fears go. I mean, again, I have no doubt that the consciousness exists after death, and I'm, I'm convinced of that. You know, somebody else who um, might be more pragmatic or rational or a more scientific way, have scientific way of thinking would just think that's all hogwash. But, you know, you have, if you've had the experience, I mean, and I've had these experiences, so that's, of course, I believe in them. In the beginning, I was quite skeptical of things that were happening. In the beginning, I was just, I, I didn't believe it at all. This things happened to me. But. What would you say to somebody who has had bad experiences and is not particularly religious? Because of course, at that point, it's often, say when somebody dies or people will turn to, turn to religion. But if they're not religious at all, and yet they're searching and they're looking for something, what, what advice would you give somebody to to start that surrender process, to allow themselves to be? Now, this is a very difficult question that you should have told me about before. <laughs> so I could have thought about it. No, okay, I, let me say, I, 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 all religions, most religions, I mean, all the religions that I, I know of, and I know of many, they all believe in a divine essence. We 
I call that divine God. Some people call it Allah, some there are other names, you know, there are so, but there's always the divine. And to me, the divine is love. And it shouldn't be so difficult to understand if you can understand love. And that's, that's what people, if you read any of the books on, on near-death experiences, people who have crossed over and felt this divine being, the divine essence of what's there, it's love. It's total bliss and joy and, and unconditional love. So I think if, if a person is not particularly religious, that's okay. If you, can, if you know what love is and know that you are loved and unconditionally, and we are never alone. We tend to think that we're alone, but we're not. There is always help there. And I don't consider myself a religious person as much as a spiritual person. I'm a, a mishmash of, of feelings and beliefs, but I know that when I have asked for help, I have received help. When the burden has been so hard for me to bear, the pain, the pain of sorrow, the pain of, of betrayal, the pain that's just the type of betrayal, um, that just that hits you and you, you just feel like you, you can't breathe. When I have asked to please relieve me of the burden, it has it's happened. So I, I called God, God, the source, the great divine. There's many names. It doesn't matter. It's love. So what I'm hearing from you as well, it's also, it's about, it's about connection okay? and connection to yourself, connection to your source, to love connection and love all around to other people and that that gives you strength it it does i mean and i think in life we people in, in general i mean i don't like to make generalizations but in general we tend to be critical of others we tend to judge others but the truth is we're all trying as hard as we can in this big school of life that we find ourselves we're all doing the best we can I just feel if we can greet others on, on the road with more compassion and more, um, and more, uh, when I say love, I know some people say, I'm not gonna love that person, you know? <laughs> but if you can have more compassion for people. I, I was at a really interesting seminar and I'm with Brian Weiss here in Milan. If, if anyone knows Brian Weiss, you know, he, he's um, a clinical psychologist or a psychiatrist who actually got into regressions by chance because one of his patients started talking about the other side and, and his own family. And anyway, I went to his seminar and it's, it's funny. I mean, my girlfriend and I laugh about it because I was grumbling about, you know, I was kind of, oh, look, this guy behind us, you know, he left his backpack right in the way, you know, it's hard to walk down the steps because he's left his backpack. I mean, what, you know, he's so sloppy. Look at what he, you know, I was just kind of grumbling about, complaining about this guy and as it turned out you know when brian weiss he says i want all of you to tune in you know and just see if you get any messages and and this this fellow got a message from me this fellow that i was kind of grumbling about because he had you know thrown his backpack there and you know he had a message for me so i i had to laugh about it later because that's just the way it is i mean when I was in college, I, I hated bigots. I, I mean, I just hated bigots. Anyone who I thought was a bigot, I, I just hated them. Then all of a sudden, I started laughing one day because I realized I was a bigot against bigots. So it's about judgment, isn't it? And it is. And so we go of judgment. We, we open ourselves up, to, again, to opportunity, to, to seeing another side to things. Again, it's all about this journey towards consciousness, letting go of judgment. Is it, is Absolutely. And, and often what we see in others, it's, it's, it's within us. You know, we see it, but we're not aware of it's in us. Otherwise, how would we recognize it in somebody else? Exactly. It wasn't within ourselves. The way we see things are through the filters of our own experience. Anyway, our own experience, our own upbringing, what we've been told, what, what's been inbred in us through that uh, with the way that we think. So, you know, to one, it's a simple analogy of to one, one person is, you know, one or one, you look at a scene or a picture of something, one person thinks it's beautiful and the other person, it, it says nothing to them. But again, it depends on your experiences, which brings me beautifully on to, and I didn't, you know, predict that transition, but I do want to talk about your photography. Mm -hmm. 
when we are talking about pictures. So you call yourself a phone photographer. Tell me about that. Well, I, I used to have a camera, um, but it's with technology now and it's so easy to have a good camera on your phone, you know, and, and a quality camera, you can take good pictures. I love being a phone photographer because it allows for more spontaneity. You know, carrying my camera around in my bag, it's just like that extra weight, then you gotta take it out and you gotta take the case off of it. And it's all that stuff that, that for me, being a phone photographer, even with one finger, you take a picture. And what, what inspires you to take pictures? It's, it's what I see. And I see things, I mean, I just, anyone I think could do it if they maybe try to, or, you know, it's when, maybe because I'm older and I have more time, but, but, and I know when you're working and you're, you're hustling and you're getting to work and you got to take the bus or whatever, you know, you don't have time to look because your thoughts are on what you need to do. But if you can be mindful of the moment and just try even en route to work, to look around you, to see, observe the people, see how they interact, look at the scenery. I notice things that are in layers. You know, I'm, I'm looking at a scenery and of course you have the perception or, or the, the depth of the buildings and, the, and how they go back. But I, it looks to me like layers and, and I look at the colors and it's just something that will grab me because the colors in nature are extraordinary. I mean, to, 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 to see them, I, that's what inspires me. It's, it's nothing in particular in everything at the same time, because it just will strike me like the colors that are used maybe in a display, a store display, or somebody who's standing in front of the dis a store display and their clothes mimic the window, what's inside the window. I mean, it, it depends. I just feel like every picture I take, every scene I think, see that, that urges me to take a picture is a gift. I'm, I feel very blessed and grateful to see these things. So this, not, that's the thing. So your photographs are not just nature. They're not just buildings. They're not just people. They're, they're a blend of moments, really, right? Of moments of being, of being present. Um, and I call on my Instagram page, I, I say the world is an art gallery. Because when you look around, there's so much to see. I mean, there, I like to take pictures of doors. I like to take pictures of many things. But doors are so interesting because they're always different. And one of my favorite pictures, it was kind of a decrepit door, but it was really interesting. And it had like, um, it had a, it was to, to rent. It was, they were renting this place. And right at the moment, and this is what I'll say to anyone, don't just take one picture, take several. And I, you know, it's just a door, but I'm going click, click, click. And this guy walks into the, into the frame. And because he walked into the frame with his white sneaker, <laughs> he made the picture with this door frame. It's one of my favorite pictures because it turned out to be so spontaneous. It just happened. And, and I, I just thought, wow, this is great. You know, I, I'm, I think too, here I'm going to go on another subject. As I said, I'm kind of like- Mention your Instagram page because the people can see a lot of your photographs there, which are also uh, available for, uh, for sale, even with- free. Some of them on my website, yes. And more of them will be. Your Instagram is, is at- is the Instagram handle is M Kapoor one, the so number one. Kapoor, if anyone put my name in, they'll find me. So M K A P O R one. Right. Uh, your website is melindakapoor.com. So M E L I N D A K A P O R.com. Um, with beautiful uh, photographs on there. But anyway, hopefully I haven't interrupted your tangent. Go for no, it. No, I know. I completely forgot what it was. <laughs> Okay, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it will come back if it's important. So on the on the subject of mindfulness and oh, that's what it was. It was about gratitude. Right. Tell me. That's what I was going to say. Is I feel gratitude or grateful when I see something like even this fellow walking into the picture frame. I just thought it was so great, you know. And I think when you start to appreciate things in life there's more for you to appreciate. Does that make sense? It's like, it's like something that, it's the same way as if you complain in life, the more you have to complain about. But if you look for, for the good in everything, I mean, there's always, there's always a side, a good side and a bad side. I prefer to look at the good side, you know, and see it, how it's gonna enrich my life. You know, and, and sometimes, and you have to have a, a sense of humor. You know, it's just really funny. 
I mean, actually. Back, back to these kind of harder times. Like I say, people do tend to focus, and especially again at the moment with everything going on with, with know. and now the not just the health impact and the deaths we've seen, but also the massive economical impact of where people's lives are suffering and the effects it will have on mental health. This is such an important and key, key issue. And people are, you know, people are suffering and people are fearful. They're fearful whether they're going to have jobs or not. They're fearful to go outside. They're overwhelmed. They're working from home. Uh, they're trying to look after their kids. They've been homeschooling. They can't travel. They can't escape. They can't escape from themselves. Where before, you know, we, we're usually so busy doing in our lives that mm -hmm. it's a wonderful distraction. And suddenly they can't escape that. So they're being faced with things that they never had to face before, faced with their fears, faced with perhaps their partners who they realize they don't want to spend the rest of their lives with. I know, I mean, the divorce courts have probably, you know, started to go through the roof. They're, they're faced with, with things that... Um, that they've always been able to distract themselves from before and realizing there are, there are things they don't like, people they don't like, things they don't like about themselves. So, and I know I've had this with clients who I've coached and gratitude is one of the first things I pick up on and I do it in my Meditate with Dance classes as well. Because like you say, the more you engage in gratitude, you just have to start with one thing and it starts to escalate and you'll find more things to be grateful for. Um, so on that note, when we have these people who at the moment are suffering and are fearful, it's all very well us saying, oh, be free, let yourself be free and have some fun. But just give me one thing, one way in how they can get started to help elevate themselves out of that fear and into a place of gratitude. What could people try? A very simple thing is at night, and I, and I started to do this. I mean, I often have said, oh, I am thankful, but I, I started to write it every night. I write three or four things what I'm grateful for. And it can be, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It's just like, I'm grateful to connect with you today like this, you know? So it, and of course, that's a big thing. <laughs> it's not a little thing. No, but, but just to be grateful for, for things that happen, the little things. And, and if somebody is working at home, to be grateful that they have a job that they can do from home because there are so many who have lost their jobs and especially people who have been helping, you know, and are in the streets, people who work in restaurants. Um, but I, I, it's a time in life where we can go within and we go within to, to better ourselves. How I find comfort is I, I read things. I mean, I read things of, of a spiritual nature that help me to understand that this is all a learning experience for everyone and things are accelerated if a marriage doesn't work out or a relationship doesn't work out maybe it's accelerated now it wouldn't have worked out anyway but it's accelerated we're at a time when everything is i think it's almost like a, a change in uh, in awareness of, of of who we are on the planet as as inhabitants of this planet we're not alone and it, it's almost like I kind of feel like this is a huge, this is a huge lesson for mankind. I mean, and about our values, about the way we think of others, about the way we think of our environment, you know, and, and I, I think it's a great time of growth. And anytime we are challenged, and it, it is a time of growth. It's, those are the tough things in life. It's when you're, the hardships in life are what, what sends you forward. They're, they're, they're the things that toughen you up, but not just tough, make you wiser. They make you wiser. There's no one on this planet who hasn't had some kind of hardship. And it can be of one kind or another. There's no one who gets away with, with just a stress-free life, no one. And when you know that we're all in this big boat together, and it, it's just like common courtesy to, the, to our, our neighbor, to, when I say our neighbor, to a person on the street. People can't see smiles anymore, but they can tell that, you know, your eyes are smiling perhaps. I'm, I just think it's a time to go within. I don't have small children at home, so, but I am only, sorry, I can only imagine how difficult that, that would be to keep them entertained, and especially when they need to run off energy. It's very, very hard. 
um, especially when they had lockdown here in Italy, you know, we were like 100 days in lockdown and to be in a, in a small apartment with maybe three kids, just terribly difficult. But this is only, in the scheme of things, this is a short period of time in our existence. If you look at a lifetime, and let's say, God forbid, I hope it won't be two years, but let's say this takes two years to get through. Someday we'll look back and say, wow, you know, we got through that. You know, when you think of times of war, four or five years, and people look back and they say, wow, we got through that. We're going to be better for this. We have to be better. So what I'm hearing, you're saying, I mean, one, one was gratitude and the, the advice to keep a, a gratitude journal. And, and I know actually I even mentioned in my book when I talk about gratitude, I say actually going, doing it just before you go to bed is wonderful because you engage in those higher energies. You feel good after you find things to be grateful for. And it, like I say, it may even be that I had a healthy meal today or I had a good conversation with someone or I got through the day. Um, but then you end the night on a positive zone and therefore able to go to bed with feeling more joyful rather than worry so that that's one of the practical things but what i'm also hearing you say is about recognizing the opportunity in things and again this is all about a journey of consciousness so the more conscious we become rather than thinking oh my goodness that all happened to me which is that level one catabolic energy in victim mode you look at it as an opportunity yes you know you're not saying it was good but you recognize that there is an opportunity to grow and learn from it. It's, it's often in retrospect that we see the lessons. It's in retrospect. And, and even terrible things that have happened in my life, um, when I lost my dad, I mean, I still feel the void. I still miss him terribly, but I still feel very close to him because, because I feel his presence. Yes, and I feel his presence in many ways, but if, it, if my father hadn't left this planet, would I have ever left my home? I don't know. I probably wouldn't have. You know, there are certain things that when you look back at your life and you say, yeah, that happened, that was a terrible thing that happened, but because of that, I ch chose to go this way, and because I went that way, I met this person. And, you know, it, it's interesting in retrospect when you can see the pattern. Or yeah, you, see you won't immediately see it. You may not immediately see it. Right. We're, not, we're not saying, you know, rejoice that something uh, difficult is happening and that there's challenge, but, but sit with it, be, be present, and recognize that in time there will be a, an opportunity or a path or, or a direction, and, and thinking that way may help you feel better. I, I also want to say that when, when we lose someone, and I, I feel, this is my belief, of course, everything I say is my belief, but grief is like a shroud. It's like a covering that, you know, encompasses us. And it's very hard to get through. Messages were given to me at both my dad's funeral and my brother's funeral, but people I, I hardly knew. You know, they just came up and said, I dreamt last night of your brother. One said, I dreamt of your brother last night. And he's telling, and this was at the funeral. And he was laughing and telling me to tell you he's okay. So, you know, these kinds of messages come in, in different ways. And as that grief begins to kind of soften or lessen, it's still there, but it lessens. I think that they're able to come through in different ways and, and give messages. Amazingly so. I mean, I have so many stories about this kind of thing that... I know we'd be, here, we'd be here for another hour. Yeah, we would be. <laughs> no, but I, but I love hearing you. I, luckily, I, I, I can do this off, off film and just talk to you for hours anyway about your stories. But, but again, there's a huge amount of comfort to be had in that, isn't there? That we, we don't need to fear death, and, and when we do lose people that we love, recognizing that they're no longer suffering. It's a transition. It's a transition into spirit. It's in a way, it's a birthday. It's birthing back into spirit. And I, I feel that um, there's so many books that people can read about this. Um, what is that, that one about, no, I can't think of the, the title, but a woman who had cancer and she went, she basically died and, and saw the other side, the joy and the love and the feeling. I mean, if somebody, if somebody is losing 
someone. There are so many books to read to, to gain comfort and to know that this is not all there is. I mean, there's so much more, so much more than this. And there's, there's so many little stories I could tell you. I mean, well, tell us one. I'll just, well, I, I um, imagine myself, I was doing a meditation. I don't know if it was a meditation with you, but it was a meditation with somebody who said, imagine yourself being grounded, see yourself being grounded. And I imagined myself as a tree. I could see myself as this tall tree and my roots were in the ground. And, the, and a few days later, somebody sent me, a good friend of my younger brothers, sent me a picture. She goes, look what I found on my front doorstep. And my brother's name was Johnny. And it was a picture. Somebody had left this, this big advertising card on her doorstep that said Johnny's Tree Service. And so I had just imagined myself as a tree. And I see this Johnny's I mean, some people say, oh, that's, that's a coincidence. That doesn't make any sense. To me, I found that as a very loving sign. I just found that very heartwarming. And it made me laugh. One of um, and my poems is actually about him, my younger brother. And I sometimes, you know, when you lose someone, it's like you, you'll hear a voice. It could be a voice in your head and it's not really yours. And this particular poem was when I was making coffee and I was thinking of him and I was talking to him and saying how much I missed him. And I just wish I could just hug him. And I heard like this. It was it was like this, you know, that kind of so fast. Um, I heard this this voice in my head he goes oh you'll see me but don't rush it <laughs> and i just started laughing because it was so much his humor he was very quick like that and it wasn't it wasn't me and i know somebody who might be of a more you know pragmatic nature and and, and a way of thinking would say oh that's nonsense you know you just thought that yourself and maybe i did but it's still comforting to me so it still gave you comfort so exactly so who's to know Exactly. Now your poem. I hope you're going to read me that one. So oh. I, when I, when you and I met at the Book Awards in Mexico, you you signed my book. You wrote me this beautiful message, which um, I love. And this is your your best-selling book. Uh, and it's a lot of it is about mindfulness. This poetry, right? Yes. It's being in being in the moment. And the picture of the butterfly. Oh, this cover. This is all the pictures in the books I took, they're my photographs. And this particular cover, this is a wall that I saw in Berlin on a very small alley. And I, I can't remember, I, I wrote the name of the, the street inside the book. But it's a, an alley where urban artists go and they all paint things. And I saw this, this butterfly. And where the poster is with my picture, there was another poster here um, from a company with a woman's face on it. And, and I didn't want to use it because obviously it was like probably had some kind of copyright, so I didn't. But that's what this is. This is a wall in Berlin, and and the circles on there have symbolism also. But I usually talk about the symbolism. There's symbolism in those circles too. Now I I believe in life. It's like you know I I talked to you about this before. Yeah. I think that that we have our like an orbit, and sometimes our orbit overcrosses somebody else's. And, you know, we're with them for a while, then it goes. But these are also how I have seen my loved ones. My, my brother comes up as violet, and my dad always appears as green. These two. These two colors. It comes to, again, knowing that sometimes we come into each other's lives in order to teach ourselves something. Each person is, a, is, is the teacher and the student, and that doesn't mean that person has to be forever, be it a friendship, be it an intimate relationship, be a parent and child, uh, but, but we learn lessons and we have experiences and, and then those relationships may part ways, sometimes by choice, sometimes not by choice. But again, telling yourself that that's okay can give you some comfort too, right? And, and also often the ones who push your buttons, those are the ones who are your great teachers. Those are the ones who are your teachers because you reflect it back on yourself and, and need to think, well, if I am being triggered, what does that say? about me. I mean, I find when I'm coaching a client so often that it's hilarious, the topic the client chooses to talk about that day is so often something that, that perhaps I also needed to hear and explore in, in myself. And then, you know, so I, I learned from what my clients say, but while I'm holding your, your, 
your beautiful book. And again, this is available on Amazon and your website, right? Yes, on my, yes. On so Melinda, Melinda Kapoor, K, or you can see how it's spelled, Kapoor.com and also on Amazon. And it's, it's just, it's a beautiful, and I'm, you know, I'm not much of a poetry reader. I, I like writing poetry because for me, that's a way of expressing my emotions. But uh, when I read your book, I keep this by my bed and I just pick a page and see what inspires me before I go to sleep. It's very, e it's a very easy, easy reading poetry. It's not so sort of out of this world that you think I don't get that at all and I can't relate to it. It is very beautifully relatable. So I w would love it if you would read that poem you're talking about your brother and then, and then I'm just gonna see what inspires me to. Oh, okay. That one, well, that one is called Gone Ahead. He comes to me in my mind when I think of him at the oddest times. Having my coffee in the kitchen, I thought, God, how I miss him. I'm right here, says the voice in my head, yet not mine. But I want to be with you in life, I reply. Laugh like we used to, hug you. You'll be with me again, says the voice, but don't rush it. I laugh out loud, recognizing his quick wit, knowing in my heart that we shared a special moment over morning coffee. You know, it's funny because I read that and tears well up in my eyes because that's another thing about gratitude. It's like, sometimes I feel so grateful I get, I get tears in my eyes. And I think when you can get to that point and, and really look for the good despite it all, there's, despite it all, there's something to be grateful for, something. And again, I repeat, we all have tough times. And, and all are in this big war. I think of that we're in a war at this time against this virus. Um, and, and we're all in it together. It's a worldwide thing. So it's just having compassion and understanding and trying not to, to judge or jump on people. I mean, it's just, we're all in this together. So a little kindness goes a long way. We are all one, and this is certainly a true way of recognizing that one, one in love and one in suffering also, right? So true. So I'm, I'm just going to see based on our conversation what I feel. So I do this with books, obviously, in a lot of people, you can use your book almost as your oracle, can't you? Of what, what's the message you need to hear? So I ask for what is the message I need That's to hear anyone watching this? Okay. Oh, this is so funny. I just opened the same poem from your brother. <laughs> now that's a sign, Melinda. Gone ahead. I did. I just opened it at that page. Well, that's the way it is. You know, I, I, the, the, poem, the chapter that I wrote for the book that we're in together, Being Love, is, is about these, some of these experiences and, and how it happened. And and maybe that's, that's the message we need to tell people today to, to get to get comfort that we come in and out of each other's lives, but you know, we, we'll all be together and we are all together. You know, after after my dad died, I started taking classes in metaphysics because I felt there was more. I wanted to have more answers. I just and somehow in that class it just um, and when you work in a group, as you know, as we've worked in a group you kind of the energy comes together and you it just kind of you you work together and the energy between the people in this group was was pretty strong but one night i was sitting in my apartment in san francisco i had a studio apartment but it also had a kitchen and in from the kitchen a cloud floated in i mean literally a little cloud in my apartment the lights were on and i saw the cloud and without even thinking i said it must be dad and it just disappeared Years later, I'm talking 25 years later, in one of uh, Dr. Michael Newton's books, Journey of Souls and Destiny of Souls, I read, like he is another doctor who worked with patients who, and clients, you know, to talk about time between lifetimes. And he asked one of them, how do you visit Earth? And, and the, the person responded, I visit like a, a puff, a little cloud of cotton candy. And I just went, Oh my gosh, it kind of confirmed what I, I just intuitive to, intuitively know, knew. Ugh, I can't talk anymore. <laughs> it just kind of... I have another question for you. So I've, um, I have a, a very, very dear friend to me, and I, and I know that she is being called to, to awaken 
and and funny and she, and, and she I, we started this journey together many years ago but she never really continued it and really closed herself off now she's started to open more she's been coming to my meditate with dance classes so she's really been starting to to open up and she phoned me the other day completely freaked out because she, she saw all these little white flashing lights out of her eyes which you, you and I would think of that as angels and then she was seeing all these big number messaging and number sequences and she couldn't sleep she was just so scared she couldn't sleep and in trying to give her some comfort of how to open up and not be fearful you know so she what she's worried about is losing control that she may open herself up to to something and and of course you and I know that you do have control and you don't have to invite everything in and you can close yourself off. So I was giving her advice about, you know, closing down your chakras and inviting things and surrounding herself with light. But you're far more of an expert on this than I am. No, Just, no. What would you say to someone who, who is starting noticing signs of awakening but is fearful about it? I would ask that all that comes to me be with God's love, God's truth, and God's light. And I would ask the blessings for that. I, I don't like to go where, I mean, some people believe in the dark and they open themselves up to the dark. I mean, I, I have had hauntings in apartments I've lived in, but I, I don't ever want to show fear for that. Um, I just believe you have to surround yourself with God's love, God's truth, and God's light, and know that you are protected in love. Yeah. And when she, before she goes to bed, whenever she feels fearful, to, to imagine herself surrounded by beautiful white light of God and protected. Um, Which is very much what I said to her, so she's going to try it. Listen, I opened your book up again to a poem when, when I went to get your book, because I said, oh, I want to talk about your book. I went to get it and I, I had opened it on the way upstairs and it opened at this poem and I've just opened it at this poem again. So I think I'm meant to read it. It's the pomegranate tree. Oh. What inspired you about this particular poem? That's a childhood memory. Childhood memory. That's exactly the way it was. I mean, that your mindfulness memories joy so so i'd love to share it and again it gives a, an idea of just how how easy and joyful your poetry is so the pomegranate tree the pomegranate tree old and bent had a gracefulness to its gnarled branches heavy with ripened fruit cracked crevices opened revealing bright red jewels exploding forth there is no comparison to the store-bought pomegranates i now buy Though they are round and firm, perfect in their pomegranate shape, their innards too a brilliant red, they are not like those tree-ripened ones for so long ago, of so long ago, with the stretched skin of the fruit bursting from the juice of its hold, laid bare, magnificent ruby red. No fruit was sweeter than those pomegranates of childhood, sunny days, magenta-stained hands, when all was right with the world before I knew it was. And to me, that's as I read that, I just get this big smile on my face because what jumps out at me is, yes, a beautiful childhood memory is, yes, there's a lesson in everything. Yes, everything's going to be okay. And obviously the beautiful descriptions bring you very much into the present, into being in the now, into, into just, you know, picking out pomegranate and just being with it. Uh, and learning to be present is... is to experience absolutely everything that we have in this world. When I say to be mindful or to be conscious of being in the moment, the memories of our past become, the, this now, our moment, is our past also. And so it's so important of being mindful of now because soon this will be a memory. Within a millisecond. Yes, and, and that's what's so interesting about it. And those, looking back, um, I'm very grateful for those memories I had, you know, and it just, they were, they're like visions in a way. You know, they, they're kind of like little films when you think about it, when you look at a memory. And at the time, that pomegranate tree, because I was only about four, four years old, it was probably a shrub <laughs> because <laughs> I could reach the pomegranates. <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting. Well, I think... We have run out of time. And I've gone off on so many different tangents. Brilliant. So, you know, you've, you've, I think you've given people hope. You've given people light. We've talked about gratitude. We've talked about 
past lives, we've talked about earth suits, we've talked about poetry, we've talked about photography, about mindfulness, about spiritual growth, about awakening, about love, about being free, being fun, and being fearless. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rana, you are something else. <laughs> Fantastic. So thank you so much for overcoming the, your fear of being on it's so easy to talk to you oh, thank you and listen everybody please uh, this book is just beautiful it really is is beautiful and, and and has messages for everybody in it as well as the photography in it so please do uh, think about giving this as a gift to somebody. Um, Thank you. That's so kind of you. We give gifts, we receive gifts, and it's about it's a way of sending love. Uh, give it as a gift to yourself. Uh, it's, you can get that book on Amazon and, of course, Melinda's photography, which is stunning. It really, really is. And it's so varied, it's all uh, visible on her website, melindacapoor.com. So thank you, my darling. If, I just would like to say the ebook, the pictures are in color. Beautiful. And, and the paperback, unfortunately, they're not. But anyway. Stunning. Stunning. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, my love. Thank you. So uh, uh, if anybody um, uh, would like to look at more uh, of these uh, interviews, they are on my vlogs on my website, www.lightchangescoaching.com. And of course, uh, I will have further information about various different articles based on the stuff you and I have talked about today. <laughs> so, I'll break it down into, into, into shorter stories if you don't have time to, to watch the whole hour, but hopefully you've felt in, inspired by, by the energy here today. So I am Rana Alfalaki, uh, be free, be fun, be fearless expert, and till we meet again, in or out of our earth suits, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Love you. Ciao. Thank you so much for tuning into the Boss Ladies Mindset Channel powered by Crown for Success. Please tune in next week for another episode and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at RVP Queens, at The Girl Gang Confidential, at Crown for Success, at Strong Women Are Beautiful and of course at Boss Ladies Mindset.